and welcome back for a new summer autumn season 2024 of Should Have Backed It. Your host, Jonathan Corbett here, and I'll introduce our guests right away. We'll start with the one I can see, Philip Georgios, our punter. How are you, mate? I'm very well, John, and yeah, thanks for pulling me out of hibernation. It's a bit earlier than we'd usually start a season, but we've already got Group 1 racing this week, so yeah, looking forward to getting back into it. And our News Limited racing editor, who was very quick to remind us that the Group 1s have started again, Chris Finuccio. How are you? Hi, John. Hi, Phil. Looking forward to Group 1 racing back this week. Yeah, so am I. I think we all are. So that's why I've put the show out. We're going to try and have a crack this uh, this carnival with Wednesday nights with a Thursday morning release. So punters, make sure you hold us to account on that. Um, we're going to start with the talking points over the summer. So I've picked a couple out at random for you. Uh, might start with you, Chris. Uh, yeah, what did you make of the uh, the news of the potential sale of Rose Hill? What do we read into that? Well, it came as a big surprise. And, yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite shocked they're considering selling Rose Hill. I mean, you've got two city tracks in Sydney, Randwick and Rose Hill. And, you know, if you sell one, that means that you're going to – you just got only one that's going to be taking up the bulk of the Saturday racing. Canterbury, Warwick Farm, they're not up to – you know, that Saturday Metro standard. You know, there's maybe some um, discussion of you know building a new track somewhere, but it's not going to be, you know, you know, in the city or close to you know, residential uh, areas. So, you know, you're going to be relying on people travelling far and far and wide to to go to this, you know, potential new track if they if they are going to build one. I know the money is. Ridiculous. Well, what was it? Um, five billion, wasn't it? Yeah, five billion. Yeah, yeah, five billion. You're right there. I mean, that's crazy money. But once you lose a track, you can't get it back, and you're you're in the heart of the western suburbs. So, I know there's a few trainers that are, are against it. You know, Chris Waller and Gay Waterhouse. Yeah, you know, they've been public in saying that. You know, you got to really, you know, maybe think twice about this before you you'd go ahead. But um. I just think I know it's a lot of money that's going to be injected in, but you know it's a big risk. Phil, you and I have been out to Rose Hill, done a Golden Slipper, I think, or one of those big group ones out there. What 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 are your memories of the track, and uh, and what do you think tactically of getting rid of one of the bigger tracks? Yeah, well, it holds a special place for me. It's one of the only places I ever saw Winks run, um, and won dominantly that day. It wasn't part of its big uh, twenty-five in a row either, but. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, yeah, Big V pretty much covered my point of view on it as well. I mean, money talks, right? Like, if they're getting a huge sum of money injected through that, um, I guess they're looking at that closely. You can't sort of bypass that and just ignore it. But at the same time, as a racing purist, of course, we want to see these racehorses and iconic racehorses uh race courses still um to still exist in the in the country and not not be done because once that's down what happens next you know does that mean more race courses are going to be gone is it going to be more centralized it's not really great for the industry more generally i wouldn't have thought and i, I guess uh another you know recent experience we had with with more fulfill it doesn't look like in adelaide you know they they don't necessarily um think they made the right call with going to one track so you know if it if it does end up that we head as an industry towards consolidation of these metropolitan tracks is that is that the best outcome? I guess we'll find out. Well, yeah. Where do the horses go, right? Like in you know a lot of the trainers in Victoria have had to take their horses out to great facilities out in Pakenham and other places, Cranbourne. But 
does Sydney have that option where the, where the horse is going to be? So, yeah, I think there's a few things to, to work through. But, yeah, it was a bit of a shock to see that, to be honest. Now, while your mic's hot, Phil, uh, more recently there's been a little bit of a news drop that maybe the new chairman of the Racing Victoria is potentially going to be the ex-AFL CEO, Gillan McLaughlin. We do know that the... Uh, the racing minister, whose chief of staff is listening to the show, hasn't made the appointment official yet. Hopefully that will happen uh, soon one way or another. But if that is the way it goes, how would you see that one? Well, you couldn't knock it, right? Like, Gillian uh, McLaughlin has been, like, done an amazing job at the AFL, obviously very experienced, well-connected, and, you know, has shown an ability to be innovative, very good communicator, uh, and I think a good negotiator as well, which is something that, a skill that I think would be really important in that role. So, yeah, you, you would be very pleased to see that appointment. Um, you know, he didn't have many missteps as his time as CEO of the AFL. AFLX might be the exception of that. We might get Racing X, but, yeah, no, I think overwhelmingly a positive appointment if it does come off. And and Chris, if uh, if it does head that way, that brings him back-to-back with uh, back, back face-to-face with an old nemesis. Yeah, it would, and, uh, you know, different scenarios i think uh racing victoria do need someone like gil mclaughlin gil mclaughlin in i do think there's a, a bit more to play out I, th- I read in the paper might happen it might be announced in about two weeks time i wouldn't be surprised if it takes a little bit longer i think there's a a fair bit to play out but i think racing victoria needs a, a bit of a shake up and gil mclaughlin can do that although there were the f- a few things that at the AFL, you know, you might um, you might think, you know, maybe could redo again. But, yeah, I think, um, yeah, Racing Victoria is lagging a little bit behind Racing New South Wales and they, they need a, a strong figure in that role. Now, Chris, uh, we, we obviously kick off the Group 1 this weekend, but uh, racing is an every, every weekend event. So uh, what did you make of last week when we had the Blue Diamond, uh, sorry, the champions for the two-year-olds and then uh, a few other early season stakes races? What caught your eye? Well, I think it, it would have to be that that two-year-old race because I think based on those on the performance of Coleman and even Anisa was um, outstanding as well, we're going to have a pretty hot Blue Diamond this this year and yeah, we'll talk about it later. The the Blue Diamond preludes, but there's a you know, a couple of horses yeah you know, stepping out this weekend. You know if they perform up to expectations, we're going to have a a really good you know grand final in a couple of weeks' time. Phil, what did you see last weekend? Yeah, I agree with Big V off just off the top. It does look like a reasonably good crop of two-year-olds, although uh, very early in the season to be sort of getting too involved in that, but. Yeah, I thought there were some impressive wins, and I know we're going to talk a little bit later on about some horses that we want to look at moving forward, but I thought Lady Laguna up in Sydney was a really impressive win, and Jimmy Starr, who did a, who won the last there at Caulfield, won very impressively and definitely has bigger things in its future than a benchmark 84 race, but yeah, I thought the racing was really good. Obviously, a little bit of issues with the track and some concerns around biases, etc., but hopefully they've got it humming this week because I'm actually heading down to the races at Caulfield for family day. So we'll uh, hope for some even racing. So it is, the, Phil, it is the time-honoured CFO 1,400-metre wait for age race at Caulfield that you'll be going to see. I think there's a three-year-old in it, V8, this week, among others. You've had a chance to look at the field. What are you expecting to see? 
Yeah, I mean, Mr. Brightside's the obvious um, favourite and justified favourite for the race. I think you're getting very short odds though at this point in the week, eighty. so you'd want to see a little bit better than that before you jump in too hard, but does appear to be the clear class of the field. Obviously, Pride of Jenny, who uh, pulled their pants down a couple of times um, in the spring, will be resuming as well, but probably doesn't have that first up form that Mr. Brightside has. Um, you know, Ayrton's in it, and V8 you mentioned as well. V8 was really impressive um, last start and actually is a horse that I'm pretty keen to sort of tr- track throughout the autumn because I think it's got some good potential. But, yeah, it might just be a watch first up. A lot of these horses have got much bigger things in their future during the autumn. But, yeah, you'd, you'd probably have Mr. Brightside on top early on. Chris, are you excited about this race? Yeah, I think it'll be a, a really good contest. I mean, I'm expecting Mr. Brightside to win. I mean, I suppose the only thing that could bring him undone is how fast they go with um, Pride of Jenny and also Buffalo River. I think with Pride of Jenny drawing Barrier 3, you know, it just depends. Being early in the prep, do they, how how fit they have her and you know whether she'll go... You know, as fast as she did late in the in her spring campaign, or whether you know they'll be a bit more conservative with her. I, I just think that's the only thing that could bring Mr. Brightside undone is if they go really crazy up front, because you wouldn't want to bust him open this early in the campaign. Uh, and I think a couple of other horses from this race to I'll be keen to see how they perform. First up would be Pericles and. A tissue as well. I think there are a couple of horses that you know we could follow into the autumn. One of uh, Phil's favourite topics every year is the early season two-year-olds. Chris, we'll start right there. We'll go there next. <laughs> uh, we've got a big race, a big big weekend for two-year-olds. So the in Melbourne, the two Blue Diamond Preludes, so the uh, basically the preliminary finals for the Blue Diamond in a couple of weeks, and then in Sydney, the rich. English Millennium. Have you got anything you like, Chris? And also, uh, how have you seen the uh, overall the two-year-old form for the season? Yeah, I think the the boys are a bit stronger than the the fillies. So I haven't. I have to have a good look through the fillies race because it is looks uh, quite open. But the the Colts and Geldings, you know, I I am keen on High Octane. That was a good first up win. Just I'd like to see how he goes second up now because if we see another you know, repeat performance of what he did in the in the preview, I think uh, he could be a really big chance in the Blue Diamond up against Coleman and Anisa. And then, you know, you've got some, a couple of other, you know, first, a couple of other debut winners in this race as well. You've got the stablemate bodyguard as well as the um, Philip Stokes cult stay focused. So this will be a good contest. And I think we'll see... Um, the Colts and Geldings division turn out to turn out to be stronger than the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, um, from my perspective, you're right. I don't take too much notice of what's going on with two-year-olds quite at this point. I think, you know, you have to be a brave person to go too hard at any of these horses at this early stage. Not much exposed form. Obviously, High Octane, very impressive on its debut, as, as Big V mentioned. But would you really want to be jumping in at $2.80? Um, we don't really know how it's going to go um, moving forward. Um, for the Phillies, though, I, I do look for a little bit of value, and um, I thought that number two, Hayasuji, who um, I think won the the, um, the preview, uh, has no reason to. There's no reason to jump off it, and I think you're getting about ten dollars. So that 
if you can find a little bit of value in some of those horses, I think that's where you've got to go in these because jumping on favourites um, is fraught with danger. Okay. Now, boys, I will get you to give us a tip anywhere around the country for the week ahead. And uh, just a reminder, for those who do follow the tips closely, we will have, uh, you know, post scratchings and all that stuff. We'll, we'll, we will put a handle... Sorry, a tweet out on X um, for, through the Should Have Backed It handle on Saturday morning. So just allowing for that. So keep a keen eye out for that. But our early predictions. Uh, Phil, I might go to you first. Something you like around the country this week? Yeah, I'll stay at Caulfield in the Rubiton. Uh, I think Asphora coming back uh, over 1100 at Caulfield, $2.30. I think that's a reasonably good bet. Saw it win there last, um, last prep. Um against Uncommon James, and it was a very impressive win. So I can see it going and um, dealing with this field. So that's probably my best bet. And- um, no, I'm with you, Phil. I think Asfura looks the, the best bet on the program. I mean, she was you know, one and a quarter lengths behind Imperatrice last spring. And I, I just think she's uh, you know, she, she's in between that Group 1, Group 2 class. And she can win a Group 1, but it's got to be over that 1,000, 1,100 distance. And you don't get that in the spring, but in the autumn, there's a couple of options with the Oakley Plate and the Galaxy. So I think she'll be ready to go first up and she should have a a big class edge over this field. All right, on to the next topic. So, uh, gents, I am going to ask you each a question about the racing media landscape. There's been a few, uh, few, few spicy moments over the summer there too. So we'll, we'll start with you, Chris. Uh, any word on what happened? To why Matt Stewart suddenly disappeared off our radios? Jeez, oh, you're giving me a, a hot potato to begin with. Oh, I think it's just, I think it's just uh, maybe cost cutting at RSN and just bringing in the Racing.com uh, into the fold as well, and just utilising the talent over there. It's just whether it makes uh, RSN um, a, li- a listenable. A product now because I, I enjoyed listening to, to Matt Stewart. You may not necessarily agree with his uh, opinions, but he, he does have strong opinions and he does, um, you know, it does make the listener, you know, you know, think about, uh, you know, the issues that are, that are around and, and I, and I think it's a big loss because I, I think he's, he, he really is a, a great talent on radio and he's also, a very good writer as well, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's a, sh- a shame that he's he's no longer there. And Phil, my question for you, I'm, I'm guessing if you've only you know really just warmed up with your uh, summer carnival, you probably haven't been tuning into too many form shows or anything like that. Have you? Uh, are you a fan of David Gated Gately? And have you seen any of his recent work? Because I've just noticed a bit of a change over the uh, over the Christmas period. This guy is getting uh, quite a way ahead of himself. I'm just interested of your take. That's obviously a question without notice. And, uh, yeah, you did mention that you thought he had the bit of the head wobbles going. Uh, but to be fair, that's kind of always been his shtick in, in a way. Uh, you know, very understated, but kind of um, you know that he's not unhappy with his own work. I actually think he's a pretty good tipster, to, to be honest. I've only second to Big V in the country, of course, and uh, I think he does do a good job. So I, I listen to him, and he's one of the first I actually listen to when it comes to horse racing. Um, I reckon sometimes we can get, you know, a little bit of the tall poppy in, a, in Australia corps, and maybe it's good that we've got someone that pumps the chest out when they are, when they pick a winner at two dollars twenty. So we are we are off uh, to our final furlong now, 
And I want you blokes, it's the first show of the season, I want you each to nominate a emerging horse to watch, and it must be one that is not yet a Group 1 winner. I will start with you, Phil. Who have you got for me? Well, I've only watched a little bit of racing early this year, and um, I, I want to not go too much further back than last week. So Jimmy Starr, as I said, we've, I mentioned that earlier. I thought that was an impressive run. It actually now is second favourite for the All-Star Mile, which I think is an overreaction, and that'll obviously consolidate and change over time but yeah a very impressive win i would love to watch see how v8 goes i think it's come back really well and if it continues on that trajectory could be a great horse and yeah lady laguna as well i think could measure up even in group company uh after its nice win in sydney there chris you got anything to see us out yeah i'm glad phil left me a couple of horses to pick from so um but i do agree with him on jimmy star be be interesting to see if they still go down the wait for age path because he'd be a, a very good lightweight chance in a Doncaster. But the the horse I, I do like to see is Southport Tycoon, who's odds on to win on Saturday. We'll see if he goes towards the Australian Guineas at sixteen hundred or whether he's more of that sprinter fourteen hundred meter type horse. Gents, that's the uh, the end of episode one of the new season. I think it's uh, as you'd expect. We're uh, stayers resuming here, so probably a bit more to come in uh, in coming weeks. But thank you very much for joining in and uh, welcome aboard to the new season to our listeners. Don't forget to follow the Twitter handle for the tips on Saturday and make sure you've got this saved in your podcast feed so we can uh, drop it in there every Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Take us out, Phil. As always, good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly.